a somber courts and fields this week as we do a post-mortem for the 2022 Seattle Mariners. I'll be joined this week by Bruce Garrett. And we won't be that somber. We'll be celebrating a two-decade-plus drought has ended. And there is a lot, a lot of hope for the future. I'm Tim Kelly, and this is Courts and Fields. And back again for the second time, Mariners. Mariners apologist. What are you, a Mariners? Myself, Bruce Garrett. Uh, Mariners fan. Mariners fan. Okay, <laughs> you're, you're not. You're not an apologist, huh? Well, I mean, what's an apologist? So, I mean, I, I think some people would call me an apologist. I, I think <laughs> others wouldn't. But I mean, what, what? When you think of an apologist, what do you think of? Well, I think of the uh, version of ourselves the last time they were in the playoffs. Right? Oh, yeah. I'm certainly not an apologist. <laughs> then. Yeah. I mean, you know, your attitudes change. I think one is you're, you get older and you're not a, a teenager and you're not, uh, you know, uh, blindly optimistic. And then also <laughs> just being beaten down for two decades, um, <laughs> you know. I think that would also um, uh, make you not an apologist. But, uh, you know, I, I'd say that I think that the, the playoffs, I, I think the season turned out pretty damn good. And I wasn't disappointed with how the season ended. I think that that was, you know, the, the, what, how it unfolded. We, we couldn't have said, like, they didn't show up. I think they had a, they had a really awesome series in Toronto and, and, you know, had some bad breaks and got swept by the Astros. I mean, they were beat by the better. T- I don't think it was the worst, you know, per- three game performance I've ever seen far from it. So, so if that makes me an apologist, so be it. But yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think I am one though. No, no, no. I, uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think you are. <clears throat> I was, uh, you know, just thinking of a creative title. We'll just say Mariners, uh, aficionado i think that's my go-to phrase for everybody <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know about that either but uh, okay. yeah, you know, <laughs> this is well you know last time we talked and, and we were was it the day before the playoffs started uh, on I believe, a wednesday and the game was on uh, friday it was okay yeah. two days before two days yep and, you know, I just kept thinking, what is one week from today going to look like? And and I think that, boy, if you're a Mariners fan, those two we talked about, those two games in Toronto, uh, two of the best Mariners games of all time. Granted, the history is pretty bleak, but I mean, <laughs> I think that it, it was fantastic. And so if you're a Mariners fan after that series and after a couple of the battles they lodged, uh, you know, or quite honestly, all three games against the Astros, they were pretty, pretty good efforts. So I don't know. I, I think that as a Mariner fan, you have to be happy. I don't think that makes you an apologist. I think it makes you a, a realist though. Right. I mean, oh yeah. I think, I think it would be unreasonable to have kind of wanted more from the Mariners this postseason, to be frank. Yeah, it, it's an interesting thing. Uh, lots of lots of things you said there, uh, <clears throat> you know, that makes me think. But yeah, I mean, the beginning of the year, 
we were just hoping for the playoffs, right? Like they won 90 games last year. We're coming out like, okay, this is, this is the year. And, and, you know, they, they made upgrades in season, bringing in Castillo. So people are going to want more bats. I think the only thing you can fault them for is saying, oh yeah, we got Kyle Lewis and Mitch Hanniger coming in. They're going to help us. And then both, I mean, Lewis is probably not going to play a, uh, I mean, he might be on the roster next year, but he's probably not really ever going to have a meaningful, meaningful, meaningful at bat like Kelnick got this year or, and, um, Hanniger might be gone as well. So, and he was banged up the whole time. Both those guys were banged up. So it's just, if you want to complain, it's the fact that they didn't get another bat in the deadline. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, mean, I, so, I, you know, and that, that's, I mean, yeah, looking back on it, um, I think a lot of people were upset about the Castillo trade, <laughs> but I think it ended up, I think it's already paid for itself because, because you get those guys to give you a shot, and they had they they needed him. I mean, it would have been interesting to see would they have won ninety games if they didn't have Castillo going down the stretch, or would it have been eighty seven? I don't know if it would have made a difference, but in the postseason, it certainly did. I mean, he he won game he won the first game for you pretty much uh, because if that's Robbie Ray starting that first game, I'm not sure if if that ends up being a Mariner win uh, for nothing in the first game in Toronto. And um, and you don't have that, you know, you don't have a, a close game in game in the second game of the ALDS uh, necessarily. And I mean, that that's why you, you know, and, and he would have pitched if there. It's a big if because it's three, but if there would have been a game five in the ALDS, he, he would have been pitching on, on three days rest, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. You know, you talked about. Uh you know, uh, the best two, two of the best Mariner games ever. I mean, in a, in a franchise that has had Randy Johnson and, you know, a guy like Freddie Garcia start critical playoff games for you, you know, your big guns game against Toronto was, I, I think the best Mariners playoff start ever. Yeah, well, you, I, I, we, we had talked about that, hadn't we? And the funny thing is, is you could almost just like, you don't have to like go to baseball reference and list them all out. You can just go from memory, which is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Pretty- um, you know, and because and, and you know, you're probably not, you know, it's not going to be the, the uh, 95 ALDS. I don't think you're going to have a pitching starting pitching performance no. there. The Baltimore series sort of escapes me. Um, I th- I want to say that Jamie Moyer or Freddie Garcia or Aaron Seeley might have done something decent decent in um, in t- 2000 2001, but um, yeah, no, I mean I mean I think he had the numbers and he was just dominant from start to finish. And boy, it, it talk about you have 20 years of nerves, 21 years of nerves built up, and you go in that game. You love, I mean, you, that's you love to see it that way. You love to see a guy just come in and just shut everybody down. I think they had, did they have one, one runner in scoring position, maybe two the entire yeah. game? I mean, no, nobody was at second or third base. He went in there and just shut him down. It was amazing. So, um, and I think that, you know, I really look forward to seeing him on the roster all of next year from start to finish. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, there, there are a couple of things there. 
you know, you say the 20 years of uh, nerves. Here's a guy who showed up in July, right? He didn't have any of that. Yeah. You know, and so that was fantastic. I mean, I'm sure they were pressing a little bit there in uh, September when they were, you know, not able to beat. I mean, he's he's, uh, prone like any other player to have a game that's not of his best quality. But uh, the other thing is he made, what, eight, nine starts, and he told his agent, or, you know, he had maybe not even that many, but he had only made a handful of starts, and he said, I want to be with this organization. And they locked him up for five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I – and, and it's, it's, it always seems when you acquire those guys, you know, in, in the trade, they – they see somebody who really values them. Um, I, I think there's sort of a romantic idea behind that. Like, wow, I'm such a badass that they shipped off like five <laughs> prospects to get me. You know, they're making this big push. I'm going to be, I, and I think the fact that he's the ace too, I, I mean, that's got to play into it. You know, I think that, I think they made that pretty clear from the beginning. Uh, as Robbie Ray was really kind of just struggled in, in the in the second half, especially the last month of the season, it became clear that he he was going to be the ace. And so I think that you know for him, I think that this was a, a great opportunity to be like the you know the stud in the organization, the pitching stud in the organization. He's you know on the other side from from Julio and and to and to have an opportunity with a with a young team to to you know hopefully hopefully be in the playoffs, uh, you know, for, for years to come here. So uh, I think it worked out great. That trade worked out great. I'm glad that he's, he's on the team and it kind of, it raises an interesting question because everybody knows they need, man, they need, they have some holes in this lineup. I think they need another starter still. It doesn't have to be a Castillo obviously, but I think that they, you know, to, to have the the depth that they're going to need at starting pitching, I think that they probably still need to go out and, and acquire um, you know, middle to end of the rotation type player. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I was listening to an interview with Corey Brock, who covers the Mariners for the athletic. And he was saying, he thinks he didn't mention anything about another starting pitcher. He was, he, well, the only thing he did mention was trading a guy like Flexen because he might be your best trade piece. And I found that interesting because if you roll out a rotation of, Gilbert, Ray, Castillo, um, Kirby, Gonzalez, and then you have a Flexen and even an Emerson Hancock waiting in the wings. I mean, this year they went the, – none of those starters got hurt. You know, starters got sent down to the minors like Brash did and came back as a reliever, but nobody did miss a start because of injury or, or was, you know, um, went to the DL because of injury. So they were lucky this year, just like they were pretty lucky with one run games the last two years. You know, I'm with you. You'd want to have more starters than less, but I mean, I, I don't know. You have four guys, but what if somebody tears an arm or yeah, tears an arm, Tom, Tommy John, you know, the UCLA or yeah. U, UCLA, UCL, geez, I'm going college. <laughs> yeah, that's a good uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, and I, I think that, the, that DePoto had said as much. And so it's unrealistic to think that you're going to have, you know, those five guys, uh, Castillo, Ray, Gilbert, Kirby, and Gonzalez just pitch the whole year. But, and I'll be frank here. I, and I, you know, 
this is somewhat controversial. I'm not so sure I that I want Marco Gonzalez in the starting rotation. You know, he – and it's not because of this year in isolation. It's really because of the last two. And so I think, well, is he going to regress is, uh, back to the mean? Is he going to, you know, is he going to have, you know, something closer to some of those core years? I'm not so sure after the last couple of years. I'm not convinced, and I do think that he is a, a liability in there. And and people will be quick to, to try to compare him to Robbie Ray, which I, as frustrated as I was at times with Robbie Ray this season, I think that's, a, quite frankly, a ridiculous uh, oh, comparison. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and so um, – and, and, and people – and so some of the, the, the reaction you get to this is they say, well, that must – that just that just shows how good of a rotation we have. If if we think that Marco Gonzalez is an is a liability, well, I, I, to that I say, well, so what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, it is good, and we want it to be better, and so we're we're replacing the weak link. Like, what, what you think? Because we have four really good starters, four potentially all star caliber starters. That that one who's barely replacement level, if that that it's okay with having you and then for for what reason you know now he does he does usually pitch you know he's an innings eater and um and so he he is somebody who can you know probably get you 150 to 170 innings a year but um at what cost though right and so to the extent that you can find somebody else who can get you 100 and um you know 150 to 170 innings who doesn't give up 32 home runs in a year and who can strike out more than a hundred guys or whatever, you know, 120 is probably what he had. I'd say, why not make that upgrade? If the price is right, if you could do it through free agency um, and the price is right, I would say do it. But I mean, I'm sure you're going to bring it up, but obviously that's not number five starter is not like what's on everybody's mind heading into this off season. No. And, and you hit a bunch of great points. I mean, Marco, according to baseball reference, which is, Negative point one, as a, a zero, yeah, point one wins above replacement. So literally, a replacement level pitcher would actually be better. Now, you know, point one, you know, per, you know, not a not a huge difference, but uh, looking at his numbers for his Seattle career, he has a six point seven uh, strikeouts per nine innings. He was down to 5.1 this year. He was yeah. 6.8 last year. Then it's just dropping, right? I think if you look at um, the, the 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 home run rate was was a little better, but yeah, the strikeout and he's never been a huge strikeout guy. But um, if you're looking per you know per nine, um, you know those core years, I think when he had the value, he was getting close to eight. He was at seven, eight, and he's down to five. That's a big difference. That's two yeah. strikeouts per nine innings. That's a big difference. And, and so I think that, you know, if you're start if you, if you can't miss bats as much, you know, the, you know, the, the fact that you're not necessarily a ground ball pitcher or that you give up a shit ton of home runs, I mean, what are you bringing to the table? And so, and so, you know, and I admire people. Oh, he works hard. And I, well, I, okay. Great. And he, might be, <laughs> and he might be a good guy. I mean, I, I don't care. You know, that's, that's old school <laughs> bullshit that doesn't. I, yeah, not, no, it doesn't fly. 
and, and, and you know, well, the only thing I need to hear is, well, why don't you get out there and do it? Well, you know, of course, that, that kind of silly shit, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Those are the kind of things that, that people, these are the arguments they make when you kind of throw the data out there and they can't really make a counter argument because it's like, well, he's just not that good anymore. You know, 183 innings this year, that's solid. I mean, that's obviously pretty good. You're, you know, you're glad that you got you know, 32 starts out of him. But beyond that, I, it's just not, you know, I think he is, like you said, replacement level. I think Flexen's better. I'd rather have Flexen in the rotation. Yeah, the problem Marco, though, comes to six points here in five the following year. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're able to ship him off, the, the, you're, first of all, you're not going to get much uh, in no. return, and you're going to have to eat the contract. But I would do it. I, I would – if you could get um, maybe just a bullpen arm or yeah. kind of a fringe prospect or a utility player, <laughs> I mean, I yeah. would because it's, it's, it's a weak spot. I think you could upgrade there for relatively cheap. So, um, But, but I, I could be wrong. The organization seems to love him. So I wouldn't be shocked if, he's, if he comes into the season – as your number five. And I guess that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he is a replacement like starting pitcher, because, um, you know, and it'd be interesting to see what the projections say for a guy that's been kind of trending down. Um, maybe he comes back and he's, a, he's a one, he's a one war next year, 1.5. That wouldn't shock me. And, um, that would add some value to the rotation. So, um, and I think we're going to see that from Robbie Ray too. I think Robbie Ray is the classic wins a Cy Young goes out, makes a shit ton of money and then has a pretty down year. I don't think that those things are can uh, they're correlated. I think that this is just pure, um, just the the pure regression. I, I think that you know yes. somebody has a good season like that. Well, the odds of them repeating or being better the next season are down. It's like it's sort of like the myth of the Madden curse, right? Why are all <laughs> yeah. the guys that on the on 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 the Madden cover so you know so disappointing the next year? Well, it's because they're on the cover because they had outstanding seasons the year before. It's really hard to do that. Back yeah. Years, you know, well, so. Or they go to the playoffs and they're in the Super Bowl, and, you know, then it's, you know, shorter offseason, a couple more games, and here we are. Yeah. No, I, absolutely. And, and to your point, which is what the uh, Mariner front office will say is, well, he's, he had a negative 0.1 more this year, but last year it was 2.2. The shortened season, it was 1.5. And it was 2.9 in 2019 and 2.3 in 2018. So they'll say every full season Marco's had as a Mariner, except this one, three of the four full seasons, it's been a, above a two war. Yeah. So, which is, yeah. but supposedly they were talking to Philadelphia about him and during the trade deadline. And Corey Brock said teams were looking at uh, flexing during the deadline too. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to, you know, spend all of your resources, both time and, and, and obviously money uh, to, to worry much about that position. But I do think it's one of those things where it's sort of an under the radar improvement that can be made. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts. And I think this has been on everybody's mind since that 18 inning game, my God where they didn't score one run and they scored two runs in the game before. So you basically score two runs over 27 innings. And we know that there, there are there's some holes in this, in, in, in the lineup. And I'm curious as to your thoughts as to what is the biggest hole? What, I mean, what are the biggest two holes and, 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 and what do you think they're going to do to fix that? So, okay. 
in, in just a sec. So we, oh. we we talked we talked about game one against Toronto, four nothing win. Game two against they clinch with a comeback of all the offense is clicking. Uh there's Santana's hitting a bomb. Great. So they go to their series with Houston. Game one, Castillo's pitching well. No, no, sorry, excuse me. That was Gilbert game one. Gilbert's pitching well. He comes out of the relief. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, gone, walk off, uh, lose the game by one. Uh, heartbreaking because the Mariners were up the whole game, playing playing very well, but couldn't really – Top of the night. Couldn't get anything go – or no, sorry. They didn't expand the lead. That, that was in uh, Houston. Game two, similar. Castillo gives up, I believe, a home run to Tucker, and I know one to Alvarez, but they just couldn't muster the runs. Then they come home to the game you mentioned. After 17 innings, it's tied at zero. Uh, Houston's Pena, who drew some key walks, killed us. He even hit a home run uh, in the ALCS uh, yesterday. You can see Yankees as yesterday of this recording. Uh, yeah, they couldn't even get a runner. I mean, they couldn't even get runners to second base. So to answer your question, what do they need? Well, they have the center fielder. They have the catcher. They have the third baseman, and they have the um, in front, Ty France is Cal Raleigh a catcher and Suarez a third. But I think the other four positions are up for uh, well, other four and a designated hitter. You could improve at all, whether that's moving a guy like France, splitting him between time and first, keeping him fresh. You need a right fielder. You need a left fielder. You need a second <laughs> baseman. You need a shortstop. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, – I, I, I mean, you just named I, – I'm laughing for a couple of reasons. It, one, because, because yeah, they need a DH, and I think that France will get in there. But it was so funny because I was here – I was listening. I've been listening to some of the, the news conferences, and, and the question came up about, you know, Santana and DH, and um, they were saying, oh, yeah, you know, like – of course you want to have Santana back, you know, in the, on the team. And we, you know, we don't know how it's going to, how it's going to shake out, but yes, that's a guy we'd love to have on. And it's just like, shut up. <laughs> he is not going to be on this team next year. And I'm not talking trash about Santana. No, I think that was a great trade. He had some big moments. That's, um, that's a guy that, you know, is on a team like Kansas city. And it's like, yeah, trade him away and have him, you know, uh, I mean, he won some games for us down the stretch. I mean, it was it was Absolutely. a great trade. it was a great trade. He was part of the reason. Maybe you know, but for him, they don't win that second game in Toronto. So I love it. No, don't lie through your teeth about how you're bringing back to 36 year olds who had a couple hot at bats this year to DH on the team next year. He's not going to be DH of this team. Just just put that to rest. So, um, well. Why, why not just – you have Toro, who's younger. Put him at DH if you want to bring Santana back. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah. I mean, so, I, one of the things, though, I, I think – and we talk about, you know, J.P. Crawford, and, and, and so, you know, he – well, I, I know you're looking at baseball reference. I look at fan graphs, which they're going to give – they're going to get a little more stock to the defensive player. So, mm-hmm. he had a – so, just for consistency's sake here, he, uh, I'll use this. He had a two-war this year. 
a 3.3 the year before. His hitting was pretty much on par in 2022 uh, um, that it was in, in, in 2021. He, he didn't hit for average quite as much, but on-base percentage was about the same. Slugging was about the same. I I just don't think that that it, he's kind of like the the Marco Gonzalez of the offense, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, but honestly, a bit better, at least he's above water on the war. I just, I, I think of like second base, left field, right field, and DH. Those are positions that you replace first, number one, because you don't have guys under big contracts on any of those. And JP's already locked down at a decent price. So if you look at war per million or whatever, you know, I don't think that you're you're really suffering that bad there. And I do think that it's possible that J.P. Crawford maybe has a little bit more upside. He's 27 years old, you know, and yeah. he's had flashes. Um, now, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet a lot of money on it, but you know, he he could come back with another 2.5 three WAR season. And I think for your number nine hitter, that's okay. Um, you know, you kind of have a valuable position locked in there now. This idea, do you move him to second um, and bring somebody else in at shortstop? Well, I think I would convert the, the, the free agent probably to second base, unless they're not going to. So if, if you're, you're, you know, your Carreras or your Freemans are, not, are saying no, shortstop or bust, well then, okay, JP, you're playing second base, if you can make that deal. Or is that, or is that, is that not right? No, I think you're right. I mean, the problem is, you know, I mean, you're looking at the free agent second baseman, right? Segura, Colton Wong, Adam Frazier, who you already have, um, <clears throat> Donovan Solano from Cincinnati, Cesar Hernandez from Washington. You know, that's your second baseman. But then you think you look at the shortstops, and it is the I mean, you have Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, Jose Iglesias, Almedes Diaz. Tim Anderson, um, you know, you just got a lot more talent at shortstop. And those guys are probably going to want to stay at shortstop, you know? Yeah. So, and when you're throwing them, I mean, Turner and Bogarts both made $20 million or more. Uh, I don't think Swanson's getting out of Atlanta. I doubt Anderson would leave uh, Chicago, but they're both at, oh, the club option with Anderson, never mind. But yeah, you have yeah, there's a lot of money that um these guys are gonna make, and I doubt they're gonna want to go to second base. Well, and then the DH, I mean, DH is such an interesting place because the Mariners were so lucky for what, sixteen years? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, at, at that position to not even have to worry about it. And then God, it just seems like they were just it's like it's for whatever reason in those sort of like easy to fill roles they've really struggled left field has been such a struggle for this team my god all the way back to 1998 i think you know and yeah and um and dh too and it's like boy why do they keep you know whiffing on on these positions it should be pretty easy to fill i i get oh nelson cruz i think you had four solid years there of uh, yes uh, you know of a of a you know, poor defensive outfielder, but good DH. And so I take that back. I, I think absent, you know, outside of Nelson Cruz, I'm not sure if they've really had anybody there. So, but that's Jose Pedro. What's that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bring him back. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, you know, if if, if 
what it, it, it's 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 uh you know march it's march 30th next year who do you have in those spots who, who's playing shortstop second base who do you have in the who, you know who do you have in the outfield who's your dh if, if you had to guess yeah um well um i'm gonna guess see the hanniger thing is interesting right because there's been friction between him and uh depoto supposedly but I don't think he's going to get a big deal. I mean, the guy can bear, you know, he struggles to stay healthy, but, and Seattle knows him. He's well liked. I mean, I, uh, I have no problem with him. So it just depends if he really wants to get out of here, but it wouldn't shock me if he's in right field and you're trotting out a platoon of and left of Haggerty and Kelnick. I mean, that's that's the scary part to me, right? Well, I mean, that's so interesting to me because I think Kalanick has one more shot. And by one more shot, I mean one more month. You know, by, by, by end of April next year, if his slash line is something along the line of 220, 280, 315, I think he's done. I, yes. I just, and so, you know, because the stakes are high now, you know, in years past, it's like, okay, yeah, why not give him another chance? Um, but that that worries me for obvious reasons. You know, it, maybe he, maybe you start him in AAA. I think I might do that if you're able to fill, you know, those outfield spots. Maybe you do. But yeah, the 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 Haggerty Kalanick, uh, um, you know, uh, platoon out there, or God, more if he's still on the team. I'm just not sure, man. I'm just not sure that 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 is the the way to go. And besides all this talk about Winker, I think Winker is going to be on the team. I, I, I you know, I think that that, that 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 was kind of blown out of proportion. I think he's going to be in spring training. And he'll be back, and and he is somebody who probably will be better now. I think a lot of people were pissed off at him, and he had a pretty deep, bad season here. But I think, I, you know, I think he is definitely. I think he's ahead of Kellen, if I'm being honest. You know, in terms of who's going to play out there in left field, but. He's also a, a defensive liability, and so that's that's the problem. But to your point, you know, you were talking Marco earlier and bounce back seasons and all that stuff. You know, I mean, the reality of the situation is Winker has a bounce back season where he can actually hit the ball. Maybe you plug him at DH and in the pinch you put him at left. And the scary thing to me is Gino Suarez regressing down a little bit after this fantastic year, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's, that's more likely than not, you know, Suarez, I would not be shocked if he came back at like a 1.5, 2.5 player next year. And we just have to be okay with that, you know, because, yes. because I think he's still going to be a, a, a valuable player, but um, I, I think that that's, um, I think that that's likely. And so you're going to have those swings, but I mean, they have a lot of work, and, and I think the question is, is how much of a splash are they going to make? Are they going to spend $80 million in the offseason? I mean, I guess let me put that differently. Are they going to commit $80 million in addition, addition to next year's payroll? I, I love it for the right players, but um, I'm just not sure how that's going to unfold. Do we have a sense, though? Do you have a sense for – what is you know what is the money situation like? What is Stanton willing to to go out and spend in the off season if he if he can get the right players? That I don't know, you know, and that then that's that's the problem, right? I mean, hypothetically, right? 
if <laughs> if Judge were to become available, they wouldn't be in the Judge sweepstakes. Um, the other thing you got to think about: they don't have prospects, right? I mean, they re- they kind of depleted farm system. Have some guys, Perry Ford, etc. Otani's in the last year of his contract with the Angels. Supposedly he was high on Seattle. Seattle was very high on him, thinking they were going to bring him in. Do you think they punt this offseason and wait for Otani? Yeah. Boy, I mean, not that they care about what the fans think, but at the risk of really pissing off the fan base. And I I think it's I think it's it's possible, but I think it's also a little risky. I think that you got to keep making the push right now. Yeah. And 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 because the thing is is that the you know, especially with the guys in the rotation and injuries and stuff, you just never know. Like you need to, you know, you need to build on the solid core that you have right now and do the best that you can. A guy like Judge is interesting. I mean, let's say he signs for $400 million and he's making something like, I don't know, 35, 40 million a year or something like something crazy like that. I just don't know if the value, I mean, he's obviously the the best hitter in, in baseball right now, or at least was this year, but you know, is, is he, you know, what is the, what is the value per, you know, million dollars that you're spending? And I'm just not sure that you could go out and spend, you could spend $180 million on two players that are going to be probably, you know, together be worth more than him. And so that's kind of, that's just, that's old school money ball kind of, you know, way of thinking about it. And, and, and so I would hope that they would take approach like that versus, you know, waiting and making a huge splash on a player who, you know, who, um, I, I, it just doesn't kind of fit their model of, of building of roster building either of just like, you know, that was a forensic model. That's, yes. a, that's a go out and, and spend uh, $250 million on Robinson Cano yeah. when you, when you have a shitty team, it didn't make any yeah. sense. It didn't, well, make, it, it didn't make a damn bit of sense. It was a good player, but like the team still wasn't that great. <laughs> no, it, it, I mean, it was Bavese too, right. With Beltran and Sexton. You yeah, know, put, that's putting a, band-aid on these bullet holes. Um been better. Yeah. So now that they're in the position, I think I think the strike when the iron's hot. I wouldn't punt this off season. I would go in and fill those holes and, and hopefully you hit on some of them. You know, I I think he I think he missed on Winker and Frazier. Um and you know, but those are two guys that easily could have been just as good. He obviously hit on Gino and so so I I think that I think that, that you do a couple things. Maybe you get like another Adam Fraser type acquisition, uh, but I think you got to go out and you got to commit. You got to get one of those proven players to come in because the the lineup desperately needs another bat in there. Yeah, no, you do. I mean, there's a guy looking at a guy like Andrew Benintendi, bats over 300, had a 772 OPS, played at Yankee Stadium and 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 played at Kansas City and and. Kansas City and New York, if I can say, I don't know why I almost said Oakland, had over 400 at bats and only hit five home runs. Wow! So, not yeah. that that's everything, but he's, you know, he's he's just the replacement level defensive player, which is perfectly fine. I'm looking at Winker's stats: negative 2.4 defensive WAR this year. Yeah, like you just can't, you just can't trot him out there. 
Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, he, he is he's a, he is a liability out there in, in the outfield as well. And I'm not sure if he's a guy that's going to DH, but but I, yeah. I think you know, but but he's definitely a big league hitter. And I'm not sure Kellenic is. And so, well, that's the yes, that's that's the big thing. With with as bad as he was, I mean, he still was getting on base. At, as bad as the year as Winker had, he still has a. 836 career OPS, <laughs> you know, even with his season where he only had a 688 for the Mariners. So, yeah, he, he had 888 with Cincinnati. So he, he's a guy who can hit. Uh, here's a question for you, though, and this will make me sound really pessimistic, but I think it's just true. I'm not sure if you can – if, if you can pass the Astros next year. And that's even if you played the free agency just right. The Mariners were a really good team this year. They were 16 games behind the Houston Astros, who just top to bottom have a better team. You're going to yeah. need the you're going to need the Astros to have some players uh, really regress next year. And you're going to have to have the Mariners hit everything right for it to even be close. And so maybe, you know, thinking about that, now that that kind of crosses my mind, it's like, well, do you just do enough to keep the 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 the, the lineup, you know, solid? Keep the the starting rotation solid to get you back to a, a you know an eighty seven to a ninety four win team? Is that the goal? Thinking that you can't pass the Astros and that maybe it's not worth going out and spending all that money just quite yet, and maybe you kind of simultaneously keep building up the farm. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to pass them. What are your thoughts? I mean, through that lens, what do you think about that? So that's a great point. So that would kind of, to me, be like the 2001 strategy, right? Like you just kind of patch some holes here and there. And we'll sign Brett Boone. We'll throw some money at Ichiro, but we'll run some platoon guys like Macklemore and Javier out there. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm very curious how – it works, I, especially, like I said, with Otani on the horizon. And I doubt he is going to want to, um, or I guess I should say his free agency status on the horizon at the end of the year. Is he going to want to stay on the West Coast? I assume so. Dodgers aren't going to have the money. Oakland's not going to have the money. Maybe San Francisco, but it doesn't sound like they would be. He'd want to, you know. I've never heard his name really with the rumors. So it's kind of the Mariners. But if the Mariners go out and throw a bunch of money at guys free agency, they're not going to have them. The Mariners roster as it's constructed, can it go to the playoffs next year? I think so, right? You're returning the whole pitching staff. Um, and that that lineup, you know, for them, that lineup got you to the playoffs. But you also can't just sit on the roster I mean, you look at you look at what the Mariners did, and we you know, may mention two thousand one, two thousand two. What they do? Did they even add anyone in two thousand two? Oh, Cirillo, right? They added a third baseman who was garbage, you know. And then the next year they added Randy Wynn, but they had some of the core players, and everybody was still playing. And then they all fell off the cliff. So you yeah. kind of always have to adapt. Oh right? yeah, I, I I mean God, the the death of the Mariners when their when their you know dominance in the AL West collapsed is because is because of the aging of 
of Brett Boone, of Edgar Martinez, of John Olerud. I mean, that was the core of your of your team. The failure to re-sign Mike Cameron, which is one oh, of the yeah. most egregious things that this organization's ever done. Um, and I think you know I'm probably forgetting some other um, some of the other uh, offensive. Uh, powerhouses that they, you know, that they had from those 2000, 2001 and two and three teams. But I think it was, I think it was John Olerud, Edgar Martinez, Brett Boone, um, and then trading Carlos um, uh, Guillen away, who was young, not signing Mike Cameron. Well, I can, I think we just solved the problem of why the team went to shit right there. Right. I mean, you had two guys who still had a lot of uh, production left. You had one of them under club control, and you traded them away. The other one, I'm pretty sure you could have got to stay. He had a pretty good damn run here. He replaced Ken Griffey Jr. If you would have given him the right money, he would have stuck around. Yep. I don't know if it would have made a difference because you also had a lot of things going to hell on the other side with the starting, oh, yeah. with the starting pitching. But I, I don't think that they, were, they weren't being proactive enough with those guys. And so – you know, with this year's team, if we're going to do the comparison, um, you know, like Gino was maybe one guy who I think of, of like, I can put him in that category of guys that, not because of so much age, he's not as old as those other guys were, but like just in terms of how, where is he at in his production, in his career. But he's certainly one of them, you know. I mean, maybe if you sign Mitch Haniger, is that going to be, you know, can you keep doing it? Can you keep, you know, getting lucky with some of the, the players that you have and the production that you're getting from them? Or, you know, is that luck going to dry up and these players are going to go to shit and then you're left holding the bag at the end of it? I, I don't know. But I think they are, they are a lot younger than the, than the Mariners team that kind of – Well, that, that's uh, the biggest thing, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not going to have those age things. But, you know, everything's not in a vacuum either because you think – to your point, Houston, what do we need? I'm, I'm Verlander, he has a player option next year for $25 million. You probably need him to retire and another pitcher to leave. But, you know, we have guys that are – I mean, Cal Raleigh is older than Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. Wow. You know, so, yeah. you yeah. know, when you think like, oh, we're younger. Well, we have Julio. And I, I think we have – you know, we, we got Gilbert and Kirby. and But, you know, I mean, for a lot of it, the Astros just have as many pieces. Now, they have a 39-year-old Cy Young winning pitcher, most likely. Well, past Cy Young winner, but probably picking up his third Cy Young this year. So, you know, it, they need uh, to continue with those contributions. But what I mean about the vacuum is Oakland is in a rebuild. Uh, the Rangers were um, – Rangers were not uh, – I mean, the Rangers thought they'd be contending for a playoff spot at the very least, and so did the Angels, right? The Angels have no pitching, but man, Texas doesn't have the best pitching, so those teams are going to make improvements as well. So you always got to be tweaking the formula a little bit. But I think this team, without any moves, could feasibly make the playoffs, especially do you bring up a – do you get anything from Kyle Lewis and Evan White? I mean, can they provide anything? I doubt it. I, I know that's just like those are the guys that you know you kind of really you know and whatever that that happens, but it's it, you know I mean Kalanick. This is this is kind of like this is part of that Mariner thinking from those that twenty year stretch where we just had this 
you run into all the the wall with the prospect every time and you're so disappointed and it's because you just like you'd sit there and you think god if if dustin ackley could just turn the corner if justin smoke could, yeah. could just turn the corner you know if matt clement could you know whatever he'd go on and on and on with all these you know silly uh busted prospects and and brad miller god he's He's, he's he's pretty decent, but man, if he could come out and just hit thirty five bombs next year, yeah, yeah. And so, but that's kind of where I am with 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 some of these guys, where it's like, well, yeah, I mean, is it possible? And and would it be great if if you know White or Lewis or Kellenick came out and were all star caliber next year? One of them, yes. Is it likely? No. Absolutely not. I would bet money that that none of that shit's going to happen, and then they're all <laughs> that you know they'll be off the roster and not going to be productive. Now I'm hope I'm wrong, but you know I'm just kind of going off what we've seen in terms of injuries and performance, quite frankly. Um, and so I think that's the question though for the off season is like, what would do you want to, you know, do do, do you want to kind of roll the dice there? Do you want to just you know do some of that kind of. Uh, you know, little trades, you know, little moves that, that, that DePoto has done before to kind of, to try to, 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 you know, low risk, high reward type situations. I think you're going to see a handful of those and maybe one big, one big acquisition. I would love to see two big acquisitions. I'm actually in that boat. I was not in that boat really uh, any point <laughs> up to this point. Cause we just didn't, I just didn't know if we had the court, but you know, I'm convinced now with 90 win seasons back to back with the players, with Julio, with, with with guys like with Kirby and Gilbert and, and the rotation, I'm like, okay, I think the time is now. Like, go out and, and, and make the team good. But, again, don't necessarily think you're going to pass the Astros right away. I think that's a long game. And so I don't know where they're coming from. And and, and they hide the ball a lot in these press conferences. And they say a lot yes. of, you know, PR things. And I don't criticize them for that. It's their job. I saw, yeah. you know, I did see some, uh, some of the kind of more um, – uh, well-known, uh, you know, Mariners Twitter um, oh, guys yeah. out there, guys that have been on, you know, that are on the radio every and now and then um, that, that, you know, used to write for certain blogs and they'd say things like, oh, you know, this is just all a bunch of talk. And it's like, well, what what do you want them to say? Um, are we signing, uh, re-signing uh, Carlos Santana? Are you high? Of course we're not. He's 36 yeah. years old. He hit 200 this year. We we got everything we could out of him. He's an old horse. He's going to go <laughs> in the barn and die now. Of course we're not bringing him back. It's a stupid question. Next, you know, no, they're not. Gonna, he's not going to say something like that. You know, he's, you know, are you prepared to, um, you know, ha- have a, a lineup that doesn't have Kellenic in it? No, we're very confident that Kellenic's going to be a big part. Yeah, he probably thinks about that every day. What the hell? Is <laughs> you know, but they can't say these things. I mean, for obvious reasons, and so. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not critical of the Mariners, um, you know, brass for um, for not coming out and saying this. But yeah, I do think it's pretty funny because around May 18th, I think um, I, I wanted them all fired. I, was, <laughs> you know, I had seen enough. I wasn't going to wait. And, and, and the prospects were missing and Julio wasn't good. And yeah, I was no, like, no just burn it down i'm so tired of losing you know after winning 90 games last year i'm just disappointed again and and now it's like oh my god there there's 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 no way in hell that they have (laughs) three seasons locked in they could miss the playoffs next year and the year after and they're good you know but 
So you got to give them a little bit of trust, but I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. This is the most, uh, I think we've talked about this offline. This is going to be the most anticipated fun off season I can remember. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and to hit a few points that you said, the, it's actions, not words when front office people speak, because that was, uh, I think it was Jason Puckett on KJR was saying the same thing. He was like, yeah, what do you want him to say? Uh, about Jesse Winker. Yeah, he's a real piece of crap. And, you know, if if they might be trying to trade him, they're not just going to murder the guy at the year-end press conference. Same thing with Santana. Like, you know, they're not going to say, well, that guy really, I mean, sure, we can really upgrade here at this position. This guy sucks. You know, they're not, like you said, they're not going to, not going to say that. And not going to, you know, hey, you know, Kelnick, I mean, he hit 111 in the playoffs, but we're thinking about putting him in the, uh, you know, five hole. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, like, like, I, I, I don't get that. Now, it, it is interesting talking about the, you know, you're always going to have failed prospects. You know, we talked about Kyle Lewis, who was their first pick when they, when DePoto, was that the first, was it Lewis? Yeah, Lewis was the first pick, if I remember correctly, that they had. Um, or was that, was that the previous regime? Anyways, wh- whatever. When Lewis was drafted, uh, he's just been hurt. I mean, I, I don't think he – I mean, he can't even – he doesn't even look comfortable playing DH. You know, maybe that was just all the stuff has a toll. Maybe he'll get some physical therapy, work it out this offseason, be better. But, you know, Evan White is making $3 million next year, $7 million the following year, and $8 million the next year. And then has team options that – over the next three years that will incur a $4 million buyout. Obviously he's been horrendous. He's been banged up. <laughs> yeah. I, but I don't know if they, you know, if they think, well, he sat out this year. Well, didn't set it. He didn't play at the major league level. Uh, you know, he won a gold club in a <laughs> pandemic shortened season. I, I mean, I wonder if there's any chance that he platoons. I mean, granted, this is a guy that has a one sixty five batting average and 300 plate appearances. But these, uh, I don't know if they're, you know, and then you mentioned Kelnick too. I, I just don't know. You got to try something, right? Do you try something with these guys? I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't think they're, I don't think so, but you're not going to eat $18 million. I mean, that that's kind of been the theme of the conversation. We'll eat this Marco salary, eat this, you know, eat this salary. Uh, but you also don't want to give up on somebody too quickly either, right? Well, I mean, I think they're doing it right and with uh, Evan White. And I'm, like, struggling to find his minor league stats here, which is silly. Because um, maybe you could tell me how he did in Tacoma this year. And how- he, he actually – he wasn't bad. Uh, actually, he was bad in Tacoma. He only had uh, 100 at-bats. Uh, he had a good slugging percentage. He, he hit out 484. He had uh, – seven homers and 107 plate appearances. Yeah, so. okay, that, that's enough. You know, small sample size, so he's yeah. hitting some home runs, but, you know, maybe not hitting for average. That's going to kind of shake out in, in the long run. Um, but this is, you know, my hot take is I'm kind of like more excited to see him than I am with Kalanick because, you know, and I think they did it right by just letting him play in AAA. Don't rush him back so he's going to come up here and try to do too much too soon. Maybe start him off again in AAA next year. Yeah. And I, I'm like, almost like start Kellenic in AAA again. You know, like give the guys the confidence and 
and let them kind of work on the things that they need to work on. I wouldn't necessarily give up on, on, on either of them. I mean, especially because Evan White, you have them, you know, you have them under contract and, and, but that, that, I mean, in today's market, that's not, that money's nothing. That's not, I'm not, I'm not worried about, you know, that the couple million a year he's, he's costing the team. I just want to, to try to maximize um, the potential that, that you have out of him when he returns. But what, well, and you, and you bring up a great point with putting those guys in AAA. Sam Haggerty and Cal Raleigh both spent time in Tacoma, you know, because the front office thought it was best that they be in Tacoma. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. Have you seen, have you looked at Cal Raleigh's splits? Because, um, you know, the numbers were pretty good, obvious for him. He, he ended up having a damn good year, one of the better – years for a catcher in Mariners history, no question. But it just, I'd had this thought pop into my head. Have we seen the splits from, from what, what happened after he came back from AAA? Because he obviously went down because he was struggling. And, yeah. and that, you know, that's the kind of thing that I would like to, you know, to, we kind of saw that with Kellenic a little bit. And he was kind of thrown into the fire when Winker got injured and he, you know, had to go into the playoffs, but he had a pretty, he had a horrendous, you know, five games in the playoffs. And so, so I, I there's been enough flashes from him, you know. To Kellenick, at least Kellenick stays healthy. You know, White and 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 Lewis are getting banged up, and it's like God, yeah. you know. And Lewis has the talent; he just can't stay healthy. And White, it's kind of like, well, I'm. I think there's some struggles there, plus some injuries, and so I'm just not sure. But but yeah, you know, no, I I think that you know these players we're talking about, and even Kellenick, I'll say that. I think that you know we don't give up on them because we got to keep <laughs> got to keep some, the team somewhat young and have these guys that have some upside on there and that are cheap and so I'm willing to roll the dice on all of them. I'm even I'm even willing to re-sign Mitch Haniger for the right for the right price because I think that he does have once you know every couple of years he'll come out and play 150 games, 155 games, and and he'll be good when he does that. Now um, I wouldn't give him a ton of money, and we'll see what you know what the market's like for him, but. Um, you know, you have to do that. You can't just go out and, 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 and just buy your way, you know, and fill all these holes uh, through free agency. I don't think it's going to work. You're going to have to use some of the guys you have. The question is who and the question is which ones are going to actually, you know, give you uh, – which ones have a shot to be good next year. And I wish I wish I could tell you. I don't know. But, but Evan White's not one of those guys, you know, that I'm counting out. I think I am counting out Kyle Lewis. I think I've seen enough from him. Yes. You know, yeah. and it's unfortunate because he's obviously he's talented. It's, it's injury. It's clearly injury. Just injuries. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, between the other guys, what's going to happen there? I don't know. Um, you know, I just don't know. And then Haggerty's an interesting one because he's such a fun player to watch. And but he's like he's like a lot of those young guys, those speedy kind of athletic guys that we've had on the team. Uh, you know, in, in past years where they have some flashes and people are like, holy shit, like they could be the next center fielder. And it's yeah. like, no, no, they're just like, they're having a pretty decent year. It's kind of like a utility outfield. Yeah. And, and um, but that said, I mean, he's, he did enough this year that I think he's somebody you bring to camp, obviously, and try to give him a shot because you never, oh, yeah. know. You never know. And so, um, you know, uh, but. It'll be it'll be fun and interesting to see what happens in the off season. I think that we're all hoping for the for the big bats, but I think that you got to let them do their thing. And um, hell, you did it with this year's team, right? I mean, like to your yeah. point, you know, if, if 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 you even even if you had Frazier, which will never happen, but let's say you had him and you, and you bring everybody back, 
if they won 90 games this year, I don't think they're going to lose. I don't think they're going to, they're not going to be under 500 next year with this, with this team. The only thing is if uh, Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby, if, you know, two of those three are hurt, right? I mean, because those are your really good starting pitchers. Right. And, yeah. and, and Robbie Ray, like you said, mentioned, there's there, there's there's bounce back for Robbie Ray. I mean, he was good the over the summer for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I said splits. I meant like the game lug. You know, I, I meant I didn't mean splits when I was talking about Cal. I meant like I wanted to see what his numbers were. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, that, in that time frame. And so – and so, I mean, the, the, you know, Cal Raleigh, I think, is 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 the model of somebody who kind of, you know, didn't really have a very good rookie campaign. And um, it was he wasn't a rookie in 2022, was he? No, no, no. no. He, was, he was a rookie last year. Yeah, he didn't really have that great of a rookie campaign. And then he, of course, you know, kind of struggled early. They sent him down. He comes back. And then he kind of looks like he kind of figured it out. And and I mean, he had an outstanding season here, obviously, but I think that, you know, and he's still somebody who has a lot of upside. And so I think that that's kind of the Mariners hope is that we do we have a couple more guys who are kind of in that realm where we haven't quite seen what we need and we need to have that, you know, happen. And I think that's what where you are if you're the Mariners. But, um, you know, you're not going to win 100. I don't know. I don't care what you do. You're probably not no. going to win 106 games next year. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, and, and another thing. It's hard to say I have a bounce back season for an all star, but you need to bounce back from Ty France too. I mean, well, the second half. I mean, you, you know, he's him and JP started off so damn hot, and of course, JP's decline was much more marked than um, than than Ty France. But yeah, I he did kind of, you know, had had a, a not a great second half, and so, um, but yeah, you know, a guy that's not. You know, I still think that that there's more to be to, to to come from from Ty France, and I think that there's some some promise there. And I think that you know, especially if he's a guy who's hitting like sixth or seventh in your lineup, that you know maybe the pressure's off, and that he's going to be more valuable in those roles. Is he going to be your one of your top two hitters next year? I don't think so, but you know, so, I, I, not somebody who you probably won't need to move quite yet, obviously. But yeah, um, you know, you're right to say there's some concern. Yeah, no, I think so. So with, I mean, it kind of, we, we kind of started this conversation of who is going to be where. So uh, I guess we'll just say, I, I think, I think the outfield is going to be very similar to what it was last year. Uh, there is a guy like Comfort, Conforto who is out. Like I said, maybe there's a Benintendi you bring in. Uh, I don't think Winker is coming back. I think you get a guy who can play first base and kind of rotate him between first base and DH with um, with France. And I think they're going to get a shortstop. I, I think they're going to try and get Bogarts or Turner, and they're going to move JP to second base. Yeah. That's, th- those are my, I guess, kind of predictions. And to your point, too, getting another, getting another bullpen arm. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, and, and would, would one of those big bats – you know, I, I still think you're probably about the same team with a big bat next year because I think you're going to have some other guys that are going to that are going to regress that had oh yeah seasons like I mean Gino just comes to mind, yeah. um, but um, and I don't know like you know what's going to happen with Mitch Haniger, but you know uh, 
I think that's still the right move because because what you don't want to risk is not making the right moves, having things kind of go wrong, like you said, and then being an eighty-two win game, eighty-two you know win uh, team next year, and that would really kind of deflate the momentum. And so so you got to go out and and you gotta you gotta kind of fill in the, the 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 positions that you need to fill in, even if you're not going crazy by doing it by spending you know committing a hundred extra million dollars to the payroll next year. You got to do it to keep them where these, at least where they are. And you and I have talked about this every sport forever. You know, I think that we have our opinions are pretty aligned with the expectation really just needs to be playoffs because that is just you're just punching your lottery ticket. Crap, yep. and, and so and so to the extent that you can just be that. That is that that is that is so much, you know, that's, yeah, that, oh, that, yeah. that means so much. And, and, and then you, you might see diminished returns when you're trying to, trying to, to, to get into be a better playoff team. You know, it's more like play the player, play your cards, right. And continue to just make sure that you are a playoff team. I don't really think that making big gambles and making crazy moves uh, and risking that status as a playoff team to, with some idea that you might be more competitive in the playoffs Look at the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's happened yep. to them several times, and it's bullshit. If I hear, oh, well, they just they just choke or they don't know. No, it's just luck. It's just luck because you play 162 games yep. and you have a five game series. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah, just no, not it, a lot it, of games. You know? No, and you bring up a great point. Take the Dodgers and the Astros, the best teams of the last what five years. You know, I guess you could say about the last decade. Astros are in their sixth straight ALCS and have only won one World Series so far. The Dodgers have made the playoffs, what, 10 straight years or something like that? Yeah. One World Series championship. And so got bounced pretty early in a couple of these things. And yeah. were and I, I think the Dodgers, if you look at some of the some of the projection systems and the and, and this the odds makers on these, I mean they were so I think some of those models had them at like a 40% chance of winning the World Series when the playoffs started, which is outrageous for, you know, like, because uh, there are so many good teams. And, and they, you know what? They got bounced because they just kind of got a hot Padres team, and that's just how it works. You know, it's not it, – it's a lot different. So, so if I'm the Mariners, yes, make the moves you need to make. But but don't don't you know think that you're gonna win 100 105 games next year by making all these moves. Just make the team good or a little better, and then I say just go right right back out at next playoff season with with Castillo, with Gilbert, with Kirby. I mean, I love those guys in that rotation, and I think that things could you know with different matchups could could turn out differently for them. And, yeah. As weird as it sounds. They're a pretty good matchup for Houston. <laughs> you know, like not a great matchup. Obviously, they got swept, but the games were all close. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something I mean, you know, what is it? Close only matters in horseshoes and hand grenades. But um, you just need to uh, think of it. Get to the tournament because who knows? The Astros have a bad five game series. And well, look at the Mets, another team led the AL East uh, damn near the whole year, lose that out to the Braves. So they have to go to the wild card round and then lose to the Padres. They're out, you know, another hundred win team that didn't even get as far as the Mariners did, who the Mets won 101 games. 
Mariners won 90 and the Mariners felt like they were a disappointment down the stretch because they were hanging on for dear life. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, it's a crazy thing, you know, and it's so crazy to, to play 162 games and have it just come down to a couple. And that's, I think what is so awesome about it, uh, but also what makes it so uh, you know, anxious. And I guess, yeah, you'd say, well, in the NFL, you know, every game is, uh, every playoff game is an elimination game. But I'm like, yeah, but you only play 17 games during the season, you know, like play yeah. 162 games and then like you have a, a couple bad games or you just hit, you know, you're, you're the, the Blue Jays, you get a really good start, you know, uh, starting pitcher you go up against and then have a, just have a terrible kind of meltdown in the second game and your season's over. Yeah. I, you know, I Toronto was a good team. They were a really good team and they're down in two games after 162. It's wild. But I think that's why we, I think that's why we love the, play, <laughs> the baseball playoffs so much. Oh yeah. And, and, and just one more point on that. It is the two best records of the playoff teams in the American league. They will face the two worst records of the National League playoff teams. That will be, yeah, know, the the, the five and the six seed. So it's yeah. it's so funny to see a team. I think what was it, eighty-seven wins and eighty-eight or eighty-nine? I can't remember. Exactly. Yep, eighty-seven and eighty-nine. Eighty-nine, and then it's like, well, shit, the Mariners had had ninety. I wish they were playing to go to the World Series. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, any uh, any any other final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I yeah, I I just you know it it feels good. It feels good, yeah. man. And you know, and and um, I you know I appreciate you having me on and being able to talk about it because it's been such a what a, what a fun season, man. It was so yeah. fun, and, and 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 I wasn't able to watch as many games as, as I wanted to, but I, you know I definitely caught a couple here or there at night, and, and it's just a what a fun way to kind of spend your summer and to have a team that, that is competitive with young players. And I'm really looking forward to next year. And, and um, I, I hope they can just, you know, improve, if not just marginally, and then kind of hope that you get some development from the young guys, but it's a great time to be a Seattle Mariner fan. And I think that um, I think that we're in store for, for a really another uh, great 2023 from the team, which maybe, you know, 2001, you have, the the magical Mariners they host the All Star Game. Boy, it's going to be fun next year. I'm not saying they're going to be that good, obviously, but if you have another competitive Seattle Mariner team and a, a freaking All Star Game in Seattle, I think I think it's that's the recipe for magic. No, I I, I agree with you, and you know it's it's kind of this will sound kind of bandwagony, I guess, but uh, it kind of brought the love back to baseball in the city, you know, and and for for a lot of people who. I mean, we're talking 20, 21 years ago. We were, we were those jaded types, you know. I mean, the, hope it doesn't come across too much like that in the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we were both very fortunate enough to go to the playoff game this past Saturday. Um, and it was, it was a different experience than any game I've been to in the last 20 years, you know. It, it was it it, it was it, it had this energy and this excitement that that I just haven't seen in so long, and I hope it continues. I really do. Yeah, nobody's leaving. Everybody's standing. It was great, but uh, yes, Bruce. Uh, speaking of nobody leaving, I think we both will <laughs> we will both be leaving now. So I want to thank you again for joining me, and we'll uh, 
We'll have you on after uh, Aaron Judge signs. <laughs> that sounds good. I can't wait. Thanks, Tim. A special thanks again to Bruce Garrett to come on and talk about the 2022 Seattle Mariners, the Streak Breakers. And now we head, well, in a couple weeks to the official start to the 2022-2023 baseball offseason. And in my opinion, the most anticipated offseason for the Mariners since the 01-02 offseason. Switching gears, finish up with some quick football picks. Last week, 4-1. and one. Took the Patriots plus two and a half. They won by 23 over the Browns. Took the Seahawks plus two and a half. They won outright by 10 over the Cardinals. Chiefs, the only team to let me down last week, took the Bills. Or I took the Chiefs at plus two and a half. They lost to the Bills by four. Eagles at minus four and a half at home. Beat the Cowboys by nine. And the Broncos, they may have lost. But they were five and a half point road dogs. They only lost by three. So, four and one. So then let's see what an exciting week this will be. Some blah games in the national spotlight. But we'll first go with Seahawks plus six and a half at the Chargers. So we always do a Seahawks game. I will be taking the Seahawks plus six and a half on the road. Uh, Chargers banged up. <clears throat> Hawks maybe getting into a groove, but six and a half is a lot of points. And the Chargers, I mean, they're four and two, but they just are coming off that big pillow fight victory. Uh, well, well, we'll stay with our other favorite team to pick, the Denver Broncos. Two and a half point favorites against the four and two Jets. The Broncos are two and four. Two and a half. There's a lot of hype on the Jets. And rightfully so, but I'm going to take the Broncos at two and a half. This just seems like the uh, week that if they lose this game, even though the Jets are four and two, they don't get right this week. I think heads might start rolling, especially with the trade deadline coming up. The big Sunday afternoon game, the 4-2 Chiefs at the 3-3 49ers. Niners, three-and-a-half-point home dogs. I like the home dogs. As you know, for some reason, I love picking with Kansas City. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Niners coming off a bad loss at Atlanta. They'll fly back to San Francisco cross-country. Be home, but I don't know. Again, with their defensive injuries in Kansas City, I think that's a lot of love given, being given to the Niners at three and a half. Sunday night, the Steelers at the Dolphins. Tua coming back. Dolphins seven and a half point favorites. Steelers, big victory last week against Tampa. Seven and a half points. I'm going to take the road team. I mean, the Dolphins been sliding lately and granted due to injuries Steelers 
Uh, I mean, Tomlin, again, it's hard for me to go against Tomlin. Going Steelers plus seven and a half. And the Monday night game, the Chicago Bears, the New England Patriots. Patriots are a 500 team, three and three. Bears are somehow two and four, uh, beating the Niners and I believe that was the Texans that they beat. But geez, seven and a half points. The Bears just look like a mess. I'm going to go with the Patriots. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me. I'm Tim Kelly, and this has been Courts and Fields.